Alright, so I'm trying to record this uh, next uh, podcast, but I don't know if it's going. I have like the the screen. The screen keeps going off all the time, so it's really annoying. Anyway, I, I don't know if I'll be able to piece something with all my past little bits, but uh, <laughs> we're gonna try to keep going that way. happens okay okay all right so I was talking about um, how I feel really connected to the Maghreb the uh, north of uh, Africa including the countries of Morocco and Algeria mostly that's uh, where I've been going and I'm not really interested in going anywhere else really well not for the next little while because um, I feel that they they still the with the the war in Libya and Egypt and Tunisia I mean the uprisings and the um, civil unrest it's not a good time to go over there, De- most definitely. I went um, to Morocco just after there had been a bombing at um, a cafe in um, what they call Marrakesh, Marrakesh, Marrakesh. And uh, I still went, and when I went, when I was there, they... Um, the Navy SEALs had um, killed Osama bin Laden and I heard about it on the news that was that that kind of chilled me a little bit (laughs) that was chilling Um, okay so it keeps going I think I'm on I'm on the right track here Um, and I was talking about um his book, uh, Singe Sapor, Sapor Pierre de Patience, The Stone of Patience. Um, Atik Rahimi wrote this. He's um, a refugee from uh, er, uh, Afghanistan and he uh, went to France. So this book was uh, his first uh, book written in French. And I really recommend it, everyone. If you read it, let me know what you think. It's really cool. And another book that I really loved is uh, called L'Equation Africaine by uh, Yasmina Khadra. Uh, he's uh, uh, Algerian, but he lives in France. And another book is Confidence à Allah by Safia Azedin. I really love that story as well. Um, I'm hoping to piece together one day a, a course on um, these 
authors, um, Arabic authors, and um, Berber authors as well, um, and their relationship with the French language. And um, they're the stories. We could uh, easily do uh, a link with uh, Wajdi Mouahad, um, who uh, did Incendie uh, in Quebec, uh, the play and the movie. So that's, uh, I think there are many themes we could explore. So, okay, I'm uh, approaching, what city is this? What little town is this? Matawawa? Matawa? Matawa. <laughs> Matawawa. Matawa. We have to slow down in Matawa. We're entering this town. This town's interesting because there's cultures. There's sculptures. Someone is a, a good sculptor and has made these wooden sculptures everywhere of historical figures. And uh, it's, uh, it's very pretty. It has a kind of a lake and there's a little mountain. And there, there are a few snacks, like um, snack bars go to. I really like it. But I'm heading for North Bay for lunch. So hopefully I'll get there and I'll talk to you later. Um, so um, I went uh, to uh, see a friend in Ottawa and she's um, she reminded me a little bit of myself when I was her age. Um, there's something about young women at 18, 19, 20 that is just, you know, uh, a bit difficult to handle because uh, I think that they're so under pressure to to break molds that all they see are possible affronts to their, you know, integrity or whatever. So, um, pretty much everything that I said, everything suggested was uh, put down, uh, you know, broken down and dismissed with comments back like, well, you know, like that. It's, uh, it's pretty, pretty difficult. <laughs> you, you, you know, you're left, you're left uh, standing there feeling like pretty much like a bumbling fool when you're, when you're with um, a bright young lady that, uh, that has some kind of uh, issue. So, 
Um, but I know that uh, she'll find her way and she'll she'll make uh, she'll make her place in the world and um, I don't know if she'll ever know how she was or behaved but uh, it doesn't matter what matters is that she'll find her way eventually and that's that's the dealio. Um, so I w I saw I looked over at my feather. I have a feather. It's uh, an eagle feather, and it's accompanied by a whole bunch of seagull and um, seagull and pigeon feathers that I picked everywhere. And uh, this feather, um, my friends told me that it was left in the lodge for me. Well, things don't just appear out of nowhere. But what happened was, I had a feather before, an eagle feather given to me by a friend in Newfoundland. After I did um, an activity of uh, awareness for native people and I kept that feather it was my most prized possession but um, after all the disturbance in my life with my son um, I started sleeping downstairs and so I so I could have a sleep and Dave could have a sleep at least everybody could sleep a little bit her son being so disturbing all the time and Dave's already suffers from insomnia but um, I left my feather by my dresser up, upstairs in the other room and uh, it fell and I forgot it for a while and it fell in the dust and it got slowly kind of dried out and disintegrated and it died and I was so upset I cried so much I told them the truth I said I'm sorry uh, I lost I broke my feather didn't take good care of it and they said Isabel you must take care of your feather it's important when you were given this feather, did they explain to you what you have to do with it? No. Okay, well, you have to hang it and give it water sometimes. You have to talk to it. So now I hang it in my car so nothing will happen to it. And I give it water when I, when I think about it. And uh, so far it's... So far, so good. It looks like it's it's kept up. But I see other people. They they put their feathers in like little um, uh, cases, especially for them, made of material, and it's like a big book. And they open it, and it's it's their feather holder thingy. So maybe that's what I should have. But, so.
so I don't I don't really do all everything that I'm supposed to I guess but I do love this feather um, to me it represents freedom and being uh, able to take my car and just go and go see people and my family and friends and go go see the sights get out and explore so that's what it means to me um, why why do I go to sweat lodges well I I'm uh, attached to my friends we make a circle in the lodge and we talk about our problems and so many times I've cried like a baby in there just cried and cried I never cry a lot yeah, you know, like sometimes I cry watching a sad movie or something like that. But in the lodge, I just talk about things that are really weighing on me. And so, you know, it's hard to let go of people who, who want the best for you. So, um, just just because I don't share the same ideas about a creator that's a presence that's out there um, you know, who created everything and looks out for me and everything, I, I prefer thinking that my friends do so anyway I'll continue on this later bye yeah, so why why do I not believe in God? Well, because for the longest time, uh, since I'm 10, since I was 10, I decided that my parents didn't take me to church. Uh, they were divorcing. Uh, I wasn't seeing the logic of it. Uh, so... I decided not to get confirmed, so I never did my confirmation. I was the only kid in the, in the school, a little school called Marguerite-Zilville in, in Cap Rouge, Quebec. And I, the, um, not the priest, but the person that helps the priest was visiting the school and trying to get, you know, all, everything sorted out for, for the confirmation. And I said that I didn't want to. And my teacher said, maybe you should meet uh, Monsieur blah, blah, blah. I don't know. I forgot his name. And he said, why don't you want to go? Why don't you? Why not? Well, my parents don't go. And, you know, I was... I was uh, was just worried about they were going through a hard time and my sister my sister was already signing all my notes uh, all coming from home from school and uh, I thought it was it wasn't right somehow and but I wasn't prepared for what happened after um, everybody 
went to their confirmation and they all had presents and things to tell me and then they kind of looked at me and because I wasn't going they, they sort of you know, kept me out of a lot of things and it felt really strange it was like I want to be a part of whatever you're doing I just don't want to go to the church and you know do the confirmation <laughs> can't I have both <laughs> but no it didn't work that way so they were handing out pictures of the cardinal and she handed them out to everybody and she didn't give me one I said I want one you know everybody was having one so I got one she said, oh, okay. Oh, it was bad, stupid picture of a guy with like red hat. And <laughs> anyway. Uh, so that was the first thing. Then a little bit later, my sister started going into a religion, the, the Church of God. I don't know who they are. And she was uh, doing the sort of the Sabbath, and, uh, fasting on certain days. And I was having like night terrors and I thought that that was like ghosts or something. So she was, you know, she's all into this paranormal crap. So she said, if you believe in God and if you open a Bible in your room, everything will be fine. So for a while I started talking to myself, you know, pretending that I was believing in God. And I, it, didn't, it didn't do, it didn't work with me. I, I didn't develop the faith. I, I couldn't, again, I, I was saying, I'm just talking to myself not talking to God, you know, because then you want some kind of proof, and then if, if every little thing sort of becomes a sign, or it just doesn't make sense. So, um, that wasn't long after that I just, whatever, and I didn't, you know, I wouldn't go uh, if there was a funeral. I wouldn't want to go if it was in a church, this kind of thing. And then I met Dave, and he was exactly like me. So I just said it uh, after meeting him. I'm an atheist, and he was too. And we shared that in common. But we also had a curiosity for, for life, uh, music. Uh, movies, politics, um, you know, traveling. And for me, Dave didn't like traveling too much. He, I always was nervous around airports. And, uh, we didn't have money either, so. So, that's it. Um, I often have debates with friends who tell me, well, what created you? Who created you? Well, my parents. Who created your parents? Well, their parents. Who cre what created uh, the earth and the animals in the air? And, well, 
4.6 billion years ago, there was a big bang in the Earth. Uh, there was an, an explosion, and uh, the metals and uh, gases settled to create the Earth and with its atmosphere. And then there was a bacteria that uh, I think took, took on carbon and released oxygen through got chlorophyll something and that created the air and then bacteria became bigger and evolved evolution yes but what created the materials the the, the, the elements uh, the universe uh, well I'm not quite sure how that all came to be but you know I'm not a physicist, I don't have all the answers, I've, I've read uh, a couple of books um, by Michio Kaku uh, on uh, the 11th dimensions, um, there's a lot to, to uh, matter and space and atoms and cells that we don't understand. I uh, granted, but there's a lot we know collectively. I don't know everything, and it does seem that there might be a few, a few uh, theories. So I don't know, but one day I'll know. So uh, when I was in Ottawa, I went to get a haircut by uh, this guy, James Lucchetti. Um, he was at uh, the mall, and um, he moved back to Ottawa. He was in Ottawa, then came in to live in Sault Ste. Marie, then came back to Ottawa because he couldn't take it. And I totally understand. Um, he, he's very talented. He's uh, artistic. He does beautiful haircuts, and... He has piercings and tattoos and color in his hair and it's his own, it's his own uh, like faux hawk kind of thing. And, um, he's wearing uh, all black and these kind of clappy old man shoes. I guess that's a new trend. Everybody has to have old man shoes <laughs> somehow. Uh, and plays uh, music he, and he showed me his music on his uh, Facebook and I only saw him twice but I loved him and I laughed so much with him uh, he he gave me his cell phone I took his cell phone and I said I hope you don't think I'm a cougar or something but I really like you and uh, so next time in, I'm in Ottawa I'm gonna stop by cut my hair. So he cuts hair at Chatters in Ottawa. Uh, it's like in this mushroom-like uh, uh, conglomeration of stores by the train yards complex in Ottawa. And he is awesome. If, if 
you're if you live in Ottawa, go get your hair cut by him and tell him that Isabel referred you. Um, I just adore this guy. He's, you can laugh with him. You can tell him anything you want. Um, and he works as a hairstyle hairstylist and makes his music at home. He draws his own patterns for his tattoos and uh, what he does is he draws it, leaves it on the wall for a while and if he likes it then he gets it tattooed. And um, he's about, I would say, 23, 24 years old, maybe, maybe a bit older, I'm not sure. But no, I think that would that makes sense. So um, I gave him a, a drawing that I made, a painting I, I made uh, in Quebec City, and he liked it. And we talked about Madeline's lip stud. It's called the Labre. Um, Madeline got her lip pierced. I had a bit of a hard time getting used to it. I'm not an old-fashioned woman. I just don't find piercings to be that interesting. Um, but, uh, you know, if people want to have them, that's, that's fine with them. But I don't find holes in my body to be... I thought, I thought about this. I thought, okay, well... Evolution gave us a body. Now we like to change it. Okay, like we change the color of our hair. We put earrings on. Uh, some people get uh, surgery, plastic surgery. Uh, we get our nails painted. We express ourselves with our bodies according to the style of the time. Uh, these are all non pretty much non-permanent except for the the holes in the ears for the earrings what what people have now are permanent body things body um, embellishments and I was thinking what is it uh, the mentality behind this um, Now every every fashion, every trend has um, social is this steeped in, in social and cultural values. Uh, the tattooing in uh, the Samoa has you know some religious um, action to it. There's uh, signs and uh, lo. Call it icons, drawings, patterns that represent your adherence to some kind of group or animal or totem or something like that, and that's part of the religion. Um, I'm not sure what uh, the Hindu with the piercing what it meant. But it was often with gold and adorning yourself with gold. Uh, I guess that's getting you closer to some kind of god as well. Uh, I don't know how that works for them. Um, now this is 
I would call it 21st century tribalism. I guess you recognize yourself part of a group of young people who say, well, it doesn't matter. I'm going to play with whatever I want uh, because my parents hate it and my group likes it and it's my body and I'm going to stretch it, pierce it. It will heal and I'll have this jewelry, this cool jewelry that will immediately tell people that I don't care about the norm of, you know, fashion, of looks. I, I don't like the Hollywood thing, the blonde hair slick and uh, all done to please men, you know, the mainstream. I'm, I'm going to have my own individualized look with, with the same parameters that my, my crew has but I'm going to play with it and it'll be just a little bit different and I'll spend just about the same amount of money you know, it would take my mom to get her perm or whatever she wants okay, so I um, I was wondering um, you know um uh, Evolution gave us a body, uh, it's the way it is, and we like to, you know, shape it maybe, like uh, do sports, change our fashion a little bit, our clothes, and that's all socially mandated, I, I agree, that's 100%, but I'm still not really cool with the piercings I I don't know it, it felt like my daughter's beautiful lip you know why put a thing there and it's always going to get caught on things and that's when you hurt yourself you hurt yourself you have a you have a stud in your lip you hurt yourself you know like it's a violence a little bit towards your body as far as I'm concerned um, I wish that fashion would just go away and that people find themselves beautiful the way they were born I sound a little bit like a fundamentalist, but why, what's wrong with your body the way it is? It's, that I find pretty much everybody has something beautiful. I try to find something beautiful. Uh, it's not like a try. It, it just reveals itself. Everybody has something beautiful about themselves. If they carry themselves beautifully, there are the most beautiful people that sound like dough heads and have their phones in their faces and, and are nippy and, and I find them grotesque and ugly. So, I guess everyone's definition of beauty is, is driven by their, their, um, age of the time 
the era. So we had to. Uh, I said to him, uh, "Well, it's it's to my hairdresser." I said, "Well, it's a generation thing, I guess." And he said, "Well, you you smoked, and uh, what else? You got cancer from smoking, like my generation." Yeah, <laughs> I know. What else did we do? Uh, I couldn't. I don't think he could find many other things to say. Um, <clears throat> there isn't that much difference anymore, you know, from generation to generation. Um, well, I guess we could argue that the the biggest thing was the technology but now even old people are catching up so we're all kind of in that technological age um, so anyway I guess that's my thought on beauty and everyone should do with whatever the hell they want I'm fine with that of course I mean that's not for me to say it's up to them it's up to each person it's just that why does it escalate it starts out with one thing then the next then the next then the next and then it ends up with all the same end product pretty much ear spacers dreads done differently tattoos everywhere uh, little dresses and boots and listening to the same music pretty much watching the same things on YouTube I mean Maddie uh, met uh, Alexandre from France they were from two different countries they listened to the same things they believed pretty much the same things and they, they they could have been separated at birth they were so similar so you know like what's I guess the when their their babies when they grow up they'll do things too that will just shock them and they'll go I do that reminded of my podcast if my podcast still exists check out this is a bit where Isabel rants about things that make her sound like a moron that lives in the dark ages topic and I'll see you soon okay, so I wanted to talk about traveling and what I like so much about traveling so I'm going to put down the phone here 
Yeah, so I was telling, I was telling, uh, I was telling you earlier, but the recording didn't work, <laughs> that um, I started traveling when I was 13 years old, when my, my uh, parents decided that um, I should, I should open up more. I was a very introverted young woman, and I would spend most of my time reading books, and I felt that there was just no way anybody could listen to me or understand me. My mother was working really hard. My father wasn't in the picture. He was with his mistress, his, his lover of the time, and he was uh, all in his <coughs> state of bliss, I guess. So uh, I just I said, okay, I'll go, and I went. It was with uh, Daniel, and he would have been 20. We took the train and I had a backpack. I had two braids on each side. And uh, it was pretty cool going around uh, the Maritimes and then around the uh, Gaspé Peninsula. Uh, we stayed about two weeks like that, hitchhiking. And then when I was 17, I joined Katimavik and I went to Vancouver. That's when I learned English. Uh, the first uh, three months I couldn't speak really, then I started to learn slowly. I made myself some um, some formulas. I asked people in my own words, if you want to say that you must do something, what do you say? Well, if you're obligated to do something, then they told me should, you should do that. And I didn't know that, how to say that, so I learned that. And then I said, and okay, so what's that could thing then? Then they explained it to me, and I made myself some sentences, and I, that's how I understood English. Uh, and then I came back, and I started CEGEP. I went into communication, but... Uh, after Katimavik, I just saw something missing, and I was really, really looking for a boyfriend. I really wanted a boyfriend, and I met this guy. He was a musician, and I fell in love with him really, really, really hard. I was 19 up to 20, and then um, he broke up with me. And I left, uh, I left my studies, I left everything, and I went to Toronto. And so I continued my traveling, really. And then with David, uh, we changed towns a lot. I had to get used to this other town, that other town. Uh, and then when I was 33, I wanted to go to Algeria, start my real traveling. And I went to Algeria, and that was terrifying. Just the, nervo the nervousness of traveling in the first place. Second, you know, going overseas. Third, in 2003, things weren't, I mean, 2005,
things weren't the same way that they are now when I check out the website for, for Algeria. Uh, the relations... The relations between Algeria and Canada are, have drastically changed. There are many economic um, organizations now, and it's it's better. But I haven't been I haven't been since to to check it out. And then I went to Morocco because I felt that the people there were a little bit more used to foreigners and tourism. So that way, if I went to see a regular family, they wouldn't be looking at me as though they'd never seen a white person before, like the children did when I went in Algeria. So I thought, I thought that was good. Uh, and now what I do pretty much is just travel up and down the line to go up to Quebec City and then come back. That's pretty much what I do. I haven't... And we go camping now, so it's more local. Um, I just figured that I was spending a lot of money and, you know, I can get a feeling of traveling just just like this I, I mean I'm not ruling out uh, traveling overseas at all I want to want to continue my my travels but uh, maybe when when we have a little bit more money now it's just right. I, I take a, a few trips, like, for the same amount of money that I would go once to Morocco, I can go four or five times to Quebec with that same amount of money, so might as well take advantage of that. And, um, plus, uh, I have to see family, too. Um, I'm really interested in going to New York, there's uh, going to be a fine arts trip there to go see the Museum of Modern Arts. And I might go to that. And Chicago, there's off, often a trip to Chicago. Chicago's not far. That will be feasible this summer, maybe next summer. Okay, bye for now.